0: When you're up in the sky and you're a pilot like there's always this idea in the back of your head that like you want to go somewhere further like you want to travel the world you want to fly around the world there's always that that little like nagging it's like wow like what if i could
1: do this have you ever wondered what it would be like to travel around the world in a single engine plane well welcome to the road to five and podcast my name is claire and i'm your host. In today's episode, I sit down with Sam Porter, a 22-year-old pilot from Vancouver, BC, who has spent the last eight months doing exactly that. Her family has set this massive goal of traveling around the world in their single-engine GA8 air van plane, traveling to over 50 countries in 14 months. In this episode, we take a massive deep dive into everything aviation, <laughs> We talk about the typical day in the life of traveling in a single engine plane, we talk about how to pack for an expedition like this with only 9 kilos or around 20 pounds of luggage. Sam shares some of her best and worst experiences from traveling to over 20 countries so far, and how to navigate things like medical emergencies, which we're going to get into a lot more later. Overall, it is said that less people have flown around the world in a single engine plane than have summited Mount Everest. So this is quite the feat, guys. This is quite an incredible journey that they are on. And just to add a little extra magic to an already incredible trip, they are also raising money and awareness for a global children's charity, SOS Children's Villages, which is just extra awesome. Just as a little side note, these guys are currently on a little break from their trip, which we're gonna dive into a lot more as a family medical emergency has shown up. Uh, But guys, Sam was just such a joy to talk to. She has a wealth of knowledge about aviation and traveling in the sky, on the road, however you wanna phrase it. And we're gonna learn a lot about what it really is like to travel around the world in a single engine plane. Let's get into the episode. Well, hi Sam, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> we were talking a little a little bit earlier. I'm a little bit jealous. You have sun right now. I'm currently in the I don't know if you call it outback, but I'm in the middle of the desert in Utah, and it's raining, which just seems like a a bad joke, like But it shouldn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm a little bit jealous of the sun,
0: having our very limited amount of sun intake right now here. In yeah, BC, true. But we're true. slowly getting towards the end of winter, so. Excited for it to pick up more and have a later, later sunset, some more daylight to actually do some stuff around here.
1: (laughs) That's true. Actually, that is the best part of the year. It's funny because I'm, I think we were saying before I'm from Australia originally, but I lived in BC for almost four years. And because in Australia, we don't have any late, the latest time that the sun sets is like 8 p.m. in summer. And so as an Australian, like I grew up my whole life, the sun would latest at 8 p.m. And then I came over and it was like 10 p.m. And I was like, the sun is the sun is still up. What is happening? I'm confused. The world is ending. Also, what are we doing? I really enjoy it, but I'm very confused. My body clock doesn't know what to do. I always think about that for people who are like in the North Pole or like near the very yeah. north, how messed up that must be to just Seriously. have like
0: only sun yeah. or only speaking of that like when we were in the first part because we left from vancouver bc where i'm from and am right now we left and we flew directly north and we were there in the summer so it was like 24 hour daylight so like it's funny you say that because it really does mess with you and it messed with Mm. my body clock so much they have and some places you're staying they don't have um the full uh blinds so like they don't even shut out the sun so in the middle of the night it'll be like two in the morning and it's like bright (laughs) and it's like what is happening you're like no, 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 please. Let's yeah. I remember I was coming spot. back from like a bar at like one in the morning because we just went. There was like a bunch of paragliders in like Dawson Dawson City, and it was like 30 in the morning, and it was bright daylight. I was like, "This is dangerous. <laughs> that is this absurd. is dangerous."
1: <laughs> I mean, we'll get into it a lot more later, but I'm really curious on that point. Do they like close bars and things early anyway, or is it just like because of the hours of sun, they just like bars will stay open?
0: No, I think they, they close them at a normal hour or, like, the same kind of, like, some will close, like, one or some will be, like, three, like, that sort of thing. Okay. I'm sure there's ones that stay open 24 hours. But, yeah, it's just, like, an odd concept, though. Like, you're leaving mm-hmm. and you're leaving a party and you're, like, what is happening? I'm walking home. It's, like, I should still be there right now. It's light out. <laughs> that
1: was funny. Well, I mean, speaking of fun random facts and stories which obviously you probably have so many and i'm excited to dive into them but in my research for this particular episode i was i came across a particular story which i really would love some more backstory and it does involve drinking actually it was of you drinking a shot with a human toe in it can you please i like i really need some context because i feel like this is super unique and it was it was it you that was drinking the actual shot
0: yeah thank you for bringing that up because i feel like in my little post on social media it just everyone bypassed that and i was like this is so cool guys like why are we not talking about this <laughs> um, but yeah, that was actually in Dawson City, like where I was saying that I was coming back from like a bar in the middle of the night. Oh, is it like actually a, Yeah, there's like a tradition. Um, and it's been going on for I honestly don't even know, like a, a long time, where um they have at the Dawson Dawson pub, um I think that's what it's called, the Dawson Pub, and they have a drink where you can take a shot with a toe in it and it's like famed all over Canada and everyone goes to Dawson City to drink this toe and everyone basically it's like you have the liquor of choice you wait in this absurdly long line like me and my okay. dad are waiting for like three hours or something in the bar like I was like I just want to drink the
1: toe and leave like, <laughs> you know? it was so funny how many times do you say that in your life
0: yeah, exactly. It's definitely a different a different type of experience. But yeah, so basically like you have like a liquor of choice. Um, mm. You write your thing down on a little paper. They have everyone in the bar waiting. You go up um, to the top little like platform of the bar in front of everyone. Everyone's like clapping for you. Like it's like a whole little ceremony thing. It's so funny. And then there's this guy who takes like it is a toe. It's like an old Toe and the toe has changed also multiple times because, like, the toe has gone bad, or someone's like swallowed it. Apparently, that's happened a couple times. Speaking of (laughs) which, if you swallow the toe, it's like a $2,000 fine. So, like, don't don't swallow the toe. Um, (laughs) but it's crazy. Um, so yeah, you I chose uh whiskey, and they like take the toe with the little tongs, they pick it up, it's like this nasty brown little like old curated toe oh and jump, dump it in the drink. And then you take a shot and it has to hit your lips. That's part of the tradition. Like you can't, you can't say you drink a shot with a toe in it if it didn't touch your lips. So I, it was so funny because like we were talking for like hours before that, we were when we were waiting <laughs> in this crazy line and we were like, imagine if he dropped the toe, like that would be hilarious. Like, <laughs> I wonder if he ever does that, like drop it on the ground and then he just keeps going, whatever. And sure enough, after waiting, like, for, like, 50 people to go by, it's my turn. I go up. He, the old, This old guy, he's hilarious. He's, like, picking up the toe with the tongs, and he drops the toe on the oh. ground. And I just see the toe, like, rolling down the thing. And the whole bar, like, loses it. Everyone's laughing. Like, it was the funniest thing ever. And I have a video of that. I was like, what are the odds of that happening after I was talking about it? He just picks up the toe, dumps it back in the drink, and I take the shot and, like, have the toe. Did he, like my tip to get
1: the, the little no. Off of the
0: <laughs> t- no he didn't care. He like had, he was so he was like so like phased by it. He was like this has never happened before like I don't know what luck you're bringing in this bar but like I've never dropped the toes. Like dude, I manifested that. Like I, I was talking I about the last two hours talking about that. And, yeah. So like I don't know what we are what we're doing here tonight but like I literally I manifested this <laughs> happening. And then he actually dropped it a second time, but it landed in the drinks. So, like, he dropped it twice, but it ended up working out. But it was hilarious. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think it was a highlight. I don't know if it was a highlight for you, yeah. but when I saw it, I was like, this is a one-in-a-lifetime
0: experience. Yeah, like, I've had some weird experiences in my life, and I'm only 22, but that one was, like, it was it was one I'm going to remember. Remember,
1: it was for the books. <laughs> <laughs> that is honestly the did the man have a name do you remember his name
0: he definitely has a name but i don't
1: remember the name
0: (laughs) that Um, is the most poly
1: worded question ever
0: (laughs) i have it written down somewhere and i'm pretty sure you can like search it up online um because a bunch of people have done like different blog posts on it and stuff but oh what is his name something jack it's like okay Oh, so Jack, because it's like the whole like tradition behind it and the whole ceremony. You get a little mm-hmm. um, uh, piece of paper after being like, I drank the toe <laughs> shot in Dawson City. But it's hilarious. So if you ever find yourself in Dawson City or up in the north somewhere
1: in Canada, you definitely <laughs> need to try it. Cause it's,
0: it's an experience. Oh,
1: good. So funny. I meant um, I think I really should clarify that. It's not necessarily was the man had a name, but (laughs) is it just the same man that is always
0: administering
1: the toe? Yes.
0: Yeah, it is. It's been him for decades. Um, The toes have changed. They've had to bring in different toes because people have swallowed them or they've just gotten too gross, I guess. But the guy has stayed (laughs) through everything. He's persisted. (laughs)
1: Uh, I think the funniest part of that entire thing is – I mean, we really need to stop talking about this, but the funniest part is the fact that at what point does a bad, like, a dead human toe become bad? Like, at what point does it cross? I don't know. Like,
0: when does it cross the line that, like, they're not allowing you to touch your lips to the toe anymore? Oh, gosh.
1: That's that's so so funny. funny. Okay, we're moving on. (laughs) <laughs> so good. Okay, so I usually start off these podcast episodes with a little bit of a quick fire so I can get to know you. Guests can get to know you. Uh, if you're ready, I'll dive in. For sure. Cool. Which do you prefer, beach or mountains? Oh my gosh.
0: Um. Wow, mountains. I'd say mountains.
1: Top bucket list destination right now?
0: Right now?
1: Mm. Um...
0: Oh my gosh, that's really hard. Madagascar. That's
1: like, why? Really...
0: Why Madagascar? Um, I've always, I had a teacher in elementary school who was from mm. Madagascar, and she would always show me these pictures and these videos, and it's always been my dream to go to Madagascar. I've been to, like, other places within Eastern, mainly Northeast, no, yeah, Eastern Africa and, like, Northwestern Africa, but I've always wanted to go to Madagascar, and it just looks like a beautiful island, so, mm. and the people I've met from there are really incredible, so... I want to go there one day. I don't know. There's a lot of, my bucket list is really
1: long. So that's a really (laughs) random one that I threw out there. But
0: I want to go to Madagascar. I was about
1: to say for someone who had a world trip in the works, it's a bit of a hard
0: question to answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though, actually. That makes kind of sense though, because uh, Africa was one of the few places, like the few continents that we were not going to be spending much time in just Mm. for the availability of like the fuel that we need. So we were just going to be heading through Northern Africa. Mm. And then continuing on, so I guess that kind of checks out with where I wouldn't have had, so I
1: mm. I wanna go there. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> a book you're reading or listening to at the moment, or just a book in general that you're obsessed with that you would love?
0: Um, I just started reading Kite Runner and mm-hmm. I've liked it so far, but I genuinely just started reading it, so I haven't okay. <laughs> gotten that far into it yet, but it's really good so far.
1: Is there like a favorite book you have? Mm. House in the Sky. I really mm. like that book. What's yeah.
0: it about? Uh, this girl that goes traveling. Um, and then in Somalia, she. it's based on a real story. Um, oh, cool. And she gets pretty much kidnapped in Somalia. And oh. it's her whole like life story and her whole process of getting back to Canada. And it's a really interesting I it's a really interesting book and it's based on a real story so this girl is basically just sharing her experiences in life and this one crazy thing that happened to her that would have most probably led to death but she ended up getting out of it so hmm. it's a rec- book I recommend
1: <laughs> cool Already right, added to the list um and then the last one do you have like a wellness practice or like a self-care hack something that you did or do when you're traveling just to kind of like as we were talking about it before burnout is a totally real thing. Is there something that you do on the road to help you feel your best?
0: Um like when when I was traveling, I got into like meditation. So
1: mm.
0: I really needed an outlet. Meditation and journaling. There are two things that like I think everybody like a lot of people suggest. Um, but I'd never really like adopted those practices into like my everyday life. It'd be more of a, like, if I'm really mad, then I'll go journal. If I'm really like experiencing a certain type of emotion, I'll go journal it to Mm. outlet those emotions. But um, I think integrating that more like regularly, like not even when I'm even experiencing Mm. intense emotions, just like on the day to day, it's kind of like helped me for when I am like burnt out or having Mm. anxiety or whatever it is about having more intense healing towards something so journaling definitely um it's also something that's light that I could bring with me like a little Mm -hmm. book or on my laptop or something because I had pretty much no space um we each were given like 20 pounds of personal gear like including clothes shoes everything so something that's small and easy um Mm -hmm. and then meditation I use like the headspace app and
1: just got back into that yeah yeah cool yeah I actually very fitting that you say that last night I um was about to go to bed and I was just like I can't go to sleep right now I'm just gonna be my head's all over the uh, like shop Mm -hmm. and I'd heard about the insight timer have you used that app before I have actually I saw it on TikTok I got like an ad for it I think yeah Yeah. (laughs) So I've also been advertised to it way too much to the point where I was like, okay, I i am not going to check this out. And then randomly last night, I was like, you know what, I just need something. And I downloaded it just to check it out to see if there was something on there. It has such a massive catalog of meditations. And most of the time I'm just like a sit down and just listen to the surroundings kind of meditator. But last night was mm-hmm. just like uh, my brain was having none of it. And so that was actually really good, but I haven't checked out Headspace. I'll have to check it out.
0: Interesting. I want to check that out then because I've seen some I don't remember if it was ads or just people talking about it but I never I never downloaded it or did anything with that so I might do that totally. I'm gonna look for more more apps because mm. you know you kind of like exhaust one and then want to try different different arenas on a so, rotation 100%. exactly exactly yeah.
1: yeah cool well I mean obviously one of the big things that i brought you on to talk about today is your family has been on this massive journey to circumnavigate the world in i think the goal was originally was it 14 months yes yeah 14 yeah months. and the i think if i'm tell me if i'm correct here but over yeah. 50 countries yes yes so i have to know where did the idea from this like where did it come from who was like yeah we got to do this yeah, for sure. I'll give you some background on it. So basically, my dad has been
0: a pilot since he was 19 years old. He's been flying for like 40 years now. Um, and I think wow. um, when you're up in the sky and you're a pilot, like there's always this idea in the back of your head that like you want to go somewhere further, like you want to travel the world, you want to fly around the world. There's always that, that little like nag where it's like, wow, like, what if I could do this? Um, and then my dad had done a bunch of different charity flights before where he's just he's flown around Canada or flown up to Alaska um, or even down in South America um, mm. to raise money for different charito- charities um, mainly around Canada and so he's had experience with like long-term travel um, in an aircraft cause it's very different than, than um, other means of travel but um, so he kind of put those two ideas together and he was like what if I could do this Um, and then he kind of asked our family and she was like what if I could do this but bring my family along with me too and like kind of put all these things together proposed it to my mom my mom was obviously like wow that would be like a once in a lifetime experience if we can pull this off then 100 percent um and so then he talked to us like I have a sister and a brother younger sister and brother so we talked to the three of us and we were like obviously like I'm not gonna pass up this incredible opportunity that's amazing um so then that's kind of where it stemmed from and then it snowballed from there and then we went into the whole planning of it and looking for an aircraft that was suitable Mm -hmm. because that's really important for like safety and just general Mm -hmm. somewhat comfort on the road um or in the skies (laughs) and um and uh yeah and then bridging off of that we kind of had a plan from the get-go that like we're going to be doing such a cool expedition and we're going to try and share it with people through social media and through like traditional Mm. media forms and just kind of like get the word out there because it's going to be really fun and we're going to want to showcase that from the beginning um and then we kind of realized like with this sort of publicity that we can hopefully get from this we can try and raise money for a charity like my dad had already done in previous trips so um we started looking around and talking to different charities and seeing like what kind of aligned with our values and like who we are as people and we landed on SOS Children's Villages and they're a global Mm -hmm. children's charity and they work in like over 136 countries and territories around the world um mainly helping like orphaned abandoned children um especially North America helping kids like not with to not be a part of the foster care system so that they can kind of have their own setup um Mm -hmm. and they do a lot with like indigenous people especially in Canada and so we kind of talked to them and we were like wow this is a really incredible charity we got to like meet up with them they showed us the whole thing and so we kind of partnered with them to try and raise money so and then yeah so so the total it was gonna be like 50 plus countries um Flying for 14 months and a crazy amount of mileage. So,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so you yourself are a pilot as well. Yes. Were you a pilot before your dad kind of
0: brought it to you? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, So myself and my sister are both pilots. We got our licenses here uh, in Vancouver, flying out of Vancouver and Pemberton, like a town Mm. just north of Whistler. Um, so you love probably Tempe. know it. Yeah, Pem <laughs> yeah, great. Tempe. Yeah, we've been <laughs> so we've been like living up here on and off since I was really young. So um it's great. But yeah, so my dad definitely um realized that there's three pilots in the family as well. So it kind of facilitates this whole plan. If it was just him having to deal mm-hmm. with navigation and route planning and general yeah. everything, all the logistics, then it would be a lot things. to handle. Um, So having three pilots was really good and it's just insane experience. Like you couldn't ask for better experience as a new pilot,
1: too. (laughs) That's so wild. I was gonna say, so like obviously a lot of people probably tuning in might be familiar with road life, fan life, Mm -hmm. traveling in planes as a passenger, not (laughs) in a single engine. I would love to like hear what kind of like a typical day looked like for you on the road. Or in the air, rather. (laughs)
0: Um, it depends on where we were heading so we had obviously like all van life stuff you have like the travel days and then you have like the days where you're staying somewhere to do things so I'm sure everyone's really familiar with all those (laughs) different sides of it but like a travel day let's talk about so we'd get up early in the morning Um, it's always better for us to be flying most of the time um, in the morning rather than in the afternoon so there's less like thunderstorm build up less turbulence less Um, logistics to plan out with the weather Um, also uh, another fact we're flying like VFR so it's like visual flight rules so it's different Mm -hmm. than like say if you're flying IFR in on a commercial flight or something you can fly through clouds Um, if there's like bad weather um, then you can fly through it rather than like have to stay go around it so basically meaning we have to stay have like visual contact with the ground at all times so it definitely It definitely um, adds logistics with, like, weather. So we get up early in the morning, go through the process of, like, getting all of our stuff together, um, eating something, hopefully, depending on if it's, like, available (laughs) or not in the morning, head out to the airport. Um, uh, One thing I think is really interesting to people is, like, our way of, like, getting through the airport, because, like, obviously, if it's a bigger airport, there's, like, a lot of security, so... It's always interesting walking up to someone it's usually in South America where they're not used to as much general aviation in certain countries. And you're just like, Hi, we've a plane out there we need to get to. Can you help us get there? And so like it's usually a big runaround to to help us um, get through the security to the plane. Um, and then go through a pre-flighting process, making sure the plane's suitable to fly, that there's no damages, and then packing away all of our stuff and hitting the road and flying um it depends how long like where we were heading obviously there are days mm-hmm. that we've flown for like seven or eight hours and then there are wow. days that we've flown for like an hour and a half um it really depends on where we were heading and like what airports avail- are available in the areas yeah. um and with crossing borders there's added logistics because Mm. like you think about um crossing yourself into a border going through like the whole customs and immigration process but there's a whole process for the plane as well because you're importing a plane Mm. into a country so like usually there's like hours and hours of paperwork and running around trying to figure out (laughs) what needs to be done because it's and if there's a language barrier it's even more intense but yeah and then we usually like had we've either like been camping or staying at hotels or Airbnbs because unlike van life, which is so awesome where you have like your house with you so you can kind of like like move around with that. We don't have that. Unfortunately, it would have been so cool. but uh, yeah, someone's kind of like a day in the life and then go and do something, whatever is available, go to the beach or go on a hike or go hang out with someone, go meet other people at the airport and just mm. do whatever you would do in all these different countries, all the cool stuff that's available
1: so cool i was i was gonna say i had seen a few videos or photos of you guys like camped in like a almost in like the landing almost near the landing strip of (laughs) the airport next to your plane was that something that you did often is that like a normal thing Um,
0: especially um yes in canada uh, when we headed down south when it was like hotter, uh, we weren't mm. we weren't camping, and we didn't have the weight capacity also to bring all of our camping mm. gear when we kept going down further south uh, because within a small aircraft, it's like an eight person aircraft. Um, yeah. and we took out three seats so we could carry more weight. but there's obviously like very, very rigid weight limits. Um, and so with all of our survival gear and like life rafts, life jackets, things that we would need if we were ever in an emergency situation. Uh, Plus the limited amount of clothes that we can bring, everything adds up really quickly. And so we can't bring as much as obviously we would have hoped we could. But we were camped throughout Canada. Yes. And Mm. we did like the underwing camping, which is what you're talking about, where we Mm. pretty much just parked the plane somewhere on the tarmac next to Near the runway. Yeah. And then we just set up camp underneath it. We also had um, a hanging hammock that we attached to like the strut of the airplanes. We were just like chilling in the hammock off the airplane, which was really fun. Yeah. Um, And we also did like a long, we did like a nine day camping trip in um, Oshkosh, Wisconsin for like an air show where we had a booth and did like a whole thing, which was really fun. Um, and anyone who's into aviation, if anyone's listening, everyone knows Oshkosh, like the EAA AirVenture. So that was a really awesome experience. You got to meet so many other people who love travel and aviation. So, cool.
1: <laughs> Okay, for everyone who maybe is newer to aviation or d- maybe does not know as much about aviation, could you break down what that is? Is it, is it like a festival?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's basically like one of the biggest, if not the biggest air show in the entire world. Um, cool. And hundreds of thousands of people go. Um, it's every year in the summer, and there's just like a ton of different insane airplanes. Um there's big booths with people selling things, people talking like we were, or yeah, whatever. And there's like hundreds of planes lined up at this airport. So if you ever mm. see like pictures of it, basically people fly in and then you park your plane, and then you all camp like in a line. So there's like like genuinely hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of planes. Um, in a line everyone camping and it's just such a
1: fun experience for people it's kind of the equivalent of like a schooly palooza for van lifers I would yeah say, i guess yeah like that. totally yeah okay. totally.
0: so other people would be like i hate this but if you love it you love it <laughs> yeah
1: whatever yeah. your jam is yeah that's exactly cool. okay. okay so i would love to touch on so you've mentioned this a few times now about your limit for the weight restriction for yeah. for traveling was 20 pounds, which for anyone who maybe doesn't work in pounds, it, roughly, I think I worked it out. It was about nine kilos, which is mm-hmm. pretty much the equivalent of like a carry-on luggage or yeah. sometimes a little bit less depending on totally. where you're flying. How on earth did you pack for a full, what was it, 14 months? 14 well, that was the months. intended original, yeah. original. 14 months with nine kilos.
0: No, it's actually insane. I always bring that up because weight is just like such a limiting factor for expeditions. Mm-hmm. So just bringing anything you want to bring, like if you want to bring an extra camera, go for something, you have to take something else out, like a pair of socks or whatever, because it really is down to like every, every pound counts. But yeah, um, 20 pounds or nine kilos or whatever. Um, it's not much. I was definitely stressed going into the trip when I was first trying to here in vancouver trying to plan out like what i'm gonna bring putting together like all my clothes and my shoes and oh the shoes <laughs> yeah the shoes and the bag included in it oh, too like God. it's everything so you need like a light bag as
1: well um no bag but... just strap it on your back <laughs> yeah seriously like, just, just like laundry load that thing Like just yeah, hold it in exactly. your arms <laughs>
0: yeah but it's definitely not much i was really stressed Um, I kept weighing things constantly trying to see like if I could get like a lighter pair of pants Mm. or like whatever it is also just the different climates that we were going to like, Mm. it's like a 50 plus country expedition. There's so many different climates. We're going to be in Mm. hot climates, cold in the desert in mountains. Like there's like a million different things to um, figure out and plan. But kind of when it got, when we got into it, I kind of just sent it and like put together what I could put together within those 20 pounds. And I was like, if I need something on the road, um, I'll buy something and then I'll get rid of something else, which is like our Mm. whole, our whole motto for it. We we did it multiple times when we had to buy something, we had to get rid of something else. Uh, But I kind of realized how little I actually needed while we were traveling. Like I would obviously like I'm not like a fashion icon out here. Like I'd wear the same (laughs) things constantly. But like as a traveler, I feel like people get used to that, and it's not, it's not, um, it doesn't feel as necessary to have like a million items. Um, so yeah, I just kind of got used to it and realized like how little I actually needed and like kind of lived that like minimalistic life with, and it was kind of nice, honestly, in a way, like I knew what I had, I had it on my bag. I, I knew what my options were. So like there were definitely times where we were invited to go out for a dinner and I was like really underdressed because I don't, I just don't have, I don't have those things to bring. But yeah, yeah now I'm kind of like, now that I'm back trying to adopt that more minimalistic lifestyle mm. um into my everyday practice because I'm like I have so much stuff I don't need so I'm like selling it or donating it and like there's just you get used to what you get used to and it was definitely a worry at the
1: start but mm. you got used to it <laughs> mm. we um we're currently planning a trip well I actually don't know when this is going to air but in the coming months we're going to Europe and I we've kind yeah. of been living out of vans for the last three years almost oh my god and I think yeah "Yeah, it's it's cool but I mean it definitely becomes a crux like you kind of get used to having your everything with you at all Mm -hmm. times yeah and so like I am not even capable of packing a bag let alone a 90 kilo bag and so uh, my partner and I have kind of set ourselves this goal going to Europe because we're kind of going for a a shorter period of time we're like okay let's set ourselves a goal of like carry on only which I don't think I've ever done in my entire life but I think it's as you're saying like I think it's such a nice thing when you strip back your choices to be like okay I only have this to wear a I think it like declutters your mind because you don't Mm -hmm. have a million different options and then b it's also like who really cares what you're wearing at the end of the day like as long as you're comfortable like exactly
0: you're doing like cool stuff and you're there like in your body to live your life and have these experiences like not what you're wearing that has basically no factor in anything but yeah it's interesting to say that like who actually cares because I started to like realize I was like when I was posting things on social media or whatever I was like I'm Mm -hmm. wearing the same hoodie in every single post and I was like at the end of the day not one person notices like you notice these things about yourself way 10 times more than anybody, anybody else will notice if they even notice. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're there as a person, you're living in this body, like enjoy your time and like the little things like the clothes that you're wearing, the t- design of clothes, like it, it has absolutely no relevance at the end of the day. So I mm. think it's really, I really love that I've kind of learned to care about experiences and care about the things that I'm doing in that present moment rather than like the physical items such as what I'm wearing in that moment or things Mm. like that or how I look in a picture or that type of stuff I've really started to just care about that I had fun in that moment it doesn't matter what I looked like it doesn't matter how that picture was I had fun I enjoyed it and at the end of the day we're all only on this earth once so why would we care that much
1: Mm, so true no yeah it's so funny we like I don't know when it began or if it's like just a social media age thing or if it's kind of existed longer than this but yeah, it seems to be this whole like oh well you you travel and you want to dress and you want to look nice because you're gonna have all these photos or videos mm-hmm. or whatever to remember this moment but it's like end of the day you're probably gonna look back in 40 years and be like oh my god what the hell was I wearing then anyway you're gonna look at your haircut exactly. and be like what a, what the hell was I thinking exactly. so it's
0: like It really doesn't matter. Yeah, and social media is so problematic with that at points. Mm -hmm. Like, I noticed because um, throughout this expedition, uh, Mm. we were posting more on social media, and I was really trying to, like, reach out and just – Kind of broaden my horizons and talk to people on social media and stuff and just yeah. really put myself out there and i've i noticed that it like created and created so much anxiety in my life mm. about the way i would talk or the way i would look because you're re-watching and i'm sure like you and everyone else experiences this too because you re-watch yourself and you're like mm. oh my gosh why am i saying that why do i look like that things like that that don't even matter at the end of the day but totally. it's it's so difficult
1: with social media Oh, yeah, that is a whole nother conversation we might circle mm-hmm. back to. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, I mean, obviously, like, you've kind of walked us through a bit of your trip. And obviously, as we've kind of alluded to, you guys are on a bit of a break at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, How many months have you completed thus far in the trip?
0: Yeah, so we left um, from Vancouver, like I said before, um, on June 15th of 2022. So we came... Yeah. Back here, like you said, we're taking a little bit of break of a break right yeah. now, which I'll get into. Um, we came back here in January. So it was about like eight months, end of January, yeah, cool. start of February. So around eight, eight and a bit months. Um, and we had traveled through 19 different countries and like over 40,000 kilometers, which is like around 43,000 kilometers, which is just a crazy amount of distance um, within eight months. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It was really incredible. And like I said, now we're back. We're on a little bit of a break right now. Um, a person in my family and like our five in the sky team, which is what we call ourselves, yeah. um, had a bit of a medical um, emergency. Yeah. So we had to come back and get some treatment for that and figure it out. But we have full, full confidence that we're going to be back um, on the expedition at some point, whether that's in six months or five years from now like this is a journey that we started and we're going to complete it at some point um Hmm. and yeah I'm just really excited for that and to get back on the road it's weird being back I'm itching for more travel
1: I bet bet. (laughs) it's uh, it's always very weird when you take a break I was gonna say um of the eight months that you have completed what was kind of the most incredible like experience that you had and then on the other side what was the worst experience
0: Mm, the most incredible uh, there's okay there's different there's different aspects of it the most incredible experience like for myself like emotionally kind of was reaching mm. the tip of South America um, mm. which was just because it was just kind of a crazy milestone. We'd flown so mm. far uh, people within general aviation, um understand like that is an insane milestone it is such a far distance to fly in a single engine plane as a family with like practically no assistance uh so there's a town called Ushuaia in Argentina and it's like the most the southernmost city in the entire world down by Antarctica (laughs) and um just arriving there was insane we just Mm -hmm. I looked back and I was like we've gone so far we've overcome so much I've spent so much time with my family that like I know I'll never be able to spend that much time with my family ever again because life takes over. Um, And then, so that like as like an emotional type of thing. Um, And then as a more physical, like, wow, this is incredible. Um, I think when I was in Argentina flying by Aconcagua, it's like the highest mountain and the tallest mountain in South America. And we spent some time there in the Andes, hanging out with some people that we met and I got to do an aerobatics flight there which was really incredible oh, and aerobatics sick. is yeah it's so awesome we were pulling some crazy g's and just flipping around flying inverted and then Aconcagua mountain is there and it's just an incredible experience there were hot air balloons flying over these vineyards and we were just doing aerobatics in and around them, was <laughs> in them. Yeah. <laughs> and them it was wild. insane yeah it was insane and then places like Bolivia. I absolutely loved Bolivia. That was a real highlight for me. Um, we got to drive and see the Bolivian salt flats, like the Uyuni salt flats, which if anyone's seen pictures of those, they're absolutely incredible. So beautiful. Um, and spent some time in La Paz, which was so cool. There's like a million different things that I could say <laughs> that were just like the coolest things. Yeah, it's impossible. Um but yeah, out of all the 19 countries, every single country had a highlight. There were mm-hmm. amazing things yeah. that we did in each one. Like in Guyana, seeing the, these beautiful waterfalls, earth, all through Central America, the incredible beaches and mm. whatever, and the Caribbean. There's a million different things. Mm-hmm. Um, for the worst experience, um, I would have to say um, we, threw, we flew through Peru during um, a political crisis so um yeah i yep, will do it I'm, yeah <laughs> i'm not sure um if anyone knows about what's happened in peru recently but basically the president um practically pulled a coup and there was just basically like insane riots and like a whole the the politics in peru were crazy at the time and the whole government was mm-hmm. kind of falling apart so um mm-hmm. we had actually uh requested entrance into Peru because before flying into each country, um, you need to request to fly into like a request, a landing permit or an entry permit to bring like a plane in. Um, So we requested a landing permit to spend some time um, in Arequipa before heading up to Machu Picchu. And Machu Picchu Mm. is incredible. Like I really wish we could have gone. But so we requested these permits. They were like, you can fly through Peru, but you can't land. And we were like, what? Like, why? Blah, blah, blah. We were so we were so upset about it. Um, and it just seemed out of the blue and random that we weren't going to be allowed to land. Um, and then fast forward a few days, we ended up flying through Peru because Peru, we weren't able to land. Um, and when we were actually in the northern part of Peru, heading up towards Ecuador, Um, We found out about the political crisis and everything. We were just like getting news blasts of everything going to absolute mayhem and chaos. And there were people passing away. There was riots in the streets. And actually the airport that we were trying to land at to spend that time to head up to Machu Picchu had been uh, taken over by protesters (gasps) where they were burning planes and burning everything. And we would have been there at that exact time. So it's just... Mm. I don't know what the whole thing was with the landing permit not being granted, but it was just a situation where fate saved us. I don't know mm-hmm. because we would have been there and we could have been, um, well, we would have been in a really horrible situation and we could have been very, very hurt. So um, that was definitely yeah. one of like the craziest and worst experiences. But it's just like you got to trust the universe. There, there are things that, like it's meant to, not, it's not meant to happen at points, and it saved our butt.
1: Oh yeah. There is a lot of that. Like, I think, feel like when I'm traveling, there's that often, you know, they get that nudge, and you're like, oh, yeah, like this isn't lining up, and this is like really hard to navigate. And then more often than not, when you're done, you're like, okay that definitely didn't happen for a reason like,
0: yeah I'm very exactly. glad in hindsight
1: that that did not work out
0: <laughs> exactly you look back mm-hmm. and you're like whoa like I'm not sure how that happened but that saved mm-hmm. me from a situation and you're pissed about it in the moment too yeah you're like, oh exactly. my god no, no
1: no like this is so frustrating And after you're like okay um cool well I mean obviously um I would love to if you're comfortable talking about it without going into too many details to respect privacy um having to stop for a medical emergency is like a travel is like worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. How is that? How have you been handling that pretty dramatic shift from eight months of traveling the world to now you're kind of having to take a break and you're back at home?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we'd talked about before, it was intended to be a 14 month expedition. So eight months into it when this whole situation Arised, it came obviously out of absolutely nowhere and we were all really shocked and mm. pretty much within 24 hours we were back here in Vancouver um, having a complete culture shock and just yeah. mentally not even processing what had just happened mm. um, so it's been really difficult to deal with like you mentioned it's like pretty much a traveler's like worst nightmare having mm. um, a to end your trip and your travels Mm and out of absolutely nowhere and be have it be a medical emergency
1: yeah so
0: it it's definitely been really difficult and it's been really weird to just kind of process the fact that I'm back here and not continuing to do something that I absolutely love so much and was honest like really thriving I was having the time of my life I was really enjoying putting myself out there in all these different situations um Mm. so it's an an, an adjustment being back um I've spent the past few weeks kind of like a homebody, trying to figure out my Mm. emotions and there's obviously emotions for like the traveling side again Mm. the whole medical emergency so there's a bunch of different like horrible things going on inside Mm -hmm. my mind but um I'm trying to push myself to get out there and start doing more things um while I'm here and while I'm in such a beautiful place and I think that's what's amazing about I was thinking about this the other day actually and that's what's so amazing about like adventure and like travel is you truly can go on adventures anywhere like there are people who just don't have the same opportunities that other travelers do and and it's fine you can still go out on an adventure even if it's in your literal backyard like in Vancouver we have mountains and ocean and we have all these incredible things that are accessible to us and even if you go on a Friday afternoon after work and go on, like, a hike with your dog or go on a walk, like, you're experiencing all these different new things. You have the opportunity to meet cool people, to put yourself out there and just be out in nature. And I think that's something that... Um, I took it for granted a little bit while I was, tra- while mm. I was traveling because I was always put in these really cool situations, mm. like without even trying, like yeah. as everyone does yeah, yeah. when you're traveling. Exactly. Like as people do when they're traveling and you're mm. in van life and stuff, you just pull up somewhere mm. and you meet these cool people and you get to talk to these interesting people mm. and go on different adventures and they ask you to come along with them. Um, and now being back, I kind of like realized I took that for granted in a certain way where I'm back and I'm not being having these opportunities thrown at me just because I'm there in a cool place. And so I've been mm. in the past week and going forward really trying to put myself out there again and reach out to people and go on different hikes or go mm-hmm. to these different locations or just spend yeah. time outside or flying or doing that stuff. So yeah, it's definitely a traveler's worst nightmare, but gotta make the gotta make the, the best of it. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah. I yeah, I was actually I'm not gonna even try to make comparisons, but I was just thinking about that. We've recently tried had a big shift in our travel plans mm. as well. Not at all in the same mm-hmm. realm. Very self. We chose, um but yeah, we were having a bit of burnout. Chose to kind of change our plans a little bit. And even that, totally. even just the self choice to avoid burnout was like really hard to navigate. And be like, oh wow, I was actually in all these really incredible situations, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize it until same thing until I slowed down and like had to kind of check myself. I, I don't know if you experience this, but for me having those little bits of rest or a few weeks of break here and there are like actually so important because like, Mm -hmm. that's how I like integrate the experience. Like, I feel like when you're constantly on the go and you're constantly moving and seeing new things every day, like you appreciate it, but Mm -hmm. it's, kind of a surface level appreciation and when you actually slow down and you're taken away from these like big incredible Mm -hmm. experiences you're like holy crap like I can actually feel the gravity of what I just experienced and I you can like integrate it and bring it forward like you're saying then bring it forward into okay now okay I don't have the access to that big massive thing right now but I can adventure here and now and I can make the most out of this I think that's really cool exactly
0: exactly yeah, you're always looking for a new adventure when you're traveling, and you kind of, when you slow down, you kind of realize how incredible those actually were in the moment. Mm-hmm. But when you're when you're there in the now, doing those things, you're always you're always moving forward. You're always yeah. thinking about the next thing. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. so true.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but um, originally, before you guys took off on your trip, you were in you were in university studying. Is that right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. What were you studying?
0: Um, I was studying geography, um, at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. So Mm. I'm, yeah, taking a gap year. I took a gap year Mm. for this expedition and I'm still in that gap year. So it's kind of weird being back and all my friends are in school and like doing things. I'm like, I need to get going on things. Um, but yeah, so I'm starting again in my fourth year, um, in September, which I guess is like my fifth Mm -hmm. year, including the gap year, but And then I'm going to graduate, which is crazy. But yeah, the geography kind of ties in with like aviation. um, And I want to go for my commercial pilot's license at some point. So they all kind of tie in with one another. And I've been really enjoying it. So yeah, I took
1: a little break for while we were traveling. (laughs) Yeah, that's very cool. And then obviously, you've alluded to this like a little bit how you were doing a bit of content creation. You were kind of... uh the face behind the content creation of yeah. your families. Yeah. Yes. And you also were, I do believe, one of the winners for the creator scholarship for World Nomads.
0: Yeah, I was. That was that was so honestly unexpected. It was amazing. My mom sent me the um, link to the application and she was like, this would be perfect for you. Like, I think you'd be great at this. Um, and so I applied and then kind of just like, didn't think much of it after because yeah. I, was like, I applied, like whatever I tried. Um, but I'm not gonna get it because like no one thinks i yeah. are gonna get it um, totally and then we went I won it one of the four winners which was really exciting and they've just been so great to work with and I know Jared and Alicia were also on your podcast before I listened to yeah. their podcast
1: which was so great yeah um, we um we were traveling in Tasmania together at the same time so, so I
0: cool.
1: uh, got to meet them in person they're just super lovely people
0: yeah that's so awesome
1: what i was gonna ask is obviously like you're studying geography you're a pilot um but then you're also doing this content creation thing and it Mm -hmm. sounds like it's something that you really love do you see yourself i guess like where do you see yourself going like with these two kind of almost very different passions do you see them merging where do you see them going
0: um, I mean hopefully I see them merging. Like you said, I've really, mm. I've really enjoyed kind of like joining this whole content creator community. Yeah. It's been it's been so great. Um, and I've found a real love for like making little videos and just creating content of cool things that mm. I find interesting and I love and try to reflect that through the things that I'm mm. creating. Um, but yeah, I hopefully see them merging at some point. Um I mean, anyone who posts like content, you always hope that you're gonna like go viral or like blow up. There's always that sub subconscious like hope for that. So, I hope I can keep doing this um, mm. to whatever extent that is. I'm gonna keep posting stuff and keep sharing my adventures um, mm. as I go. Especially as I try to continue with like different ratings um, going towards my commercial pilot's license. So there's like a bunch of different yeah, cool. steps. So I'm going to try and share all those and the little adventures I go on. And then our expedition isn't over. So we have like our five in the sky account and we've gotten like 130,000 followers on it, which has been absolutely insane, like more than I could have ever expected. Um, And so I'm just going to try and keep sharing on that until we eventually continue this um, because it's not over yet. And yeah, so I hope I I see them all like connecting and kind of merging. And I just hope I can keep doing this and keep posting things because I've really enjoyed it. I've had a little bit of a break since we've been back, um, just kind of trying to like process everything. And like I had burnout, like we were talking about before, and just just, like a lot going on. So um, I'm going to try and get more back into it eventually in the coming weeks and yeah i hopefully keep going with all this stuff it's so fun and everyone's been so cool like meeting you and meeting everyone within this little community of like adventure travelers is so amazing
1: i was gonna say i mean maybe i'm not in that side of tiktok but is there like a niche aviation tiktok mm-hmm. that i'm just not seeing
0: <laughs> yeah there is there is yeah, that's um, awesome. it's definitely not like as big as other as other little corners of TikTok and social media but there's like a bunch of aviation influencers who just mm. like kind of share their adventures and people are really interested in them and cause it's kind of like not an everyday thing too totally. so it's kind of interesting like the whole van life thing blew up and like that's like not an everyday <sighs> thing too so people love all these different types of travel yeah. where it's not just going and whatever so yeah was big fan life van life is dope
1: <laughs> it's cool but it's definitely it's funny as someone who has lived in van life maybe it's just again because I'm just saturated with that corner of the internet but sometimes I'm like mm-hmm. okay we've all talked about how we go to the toilet we've all talked about how we do all of these things like can we move on please I'm <laughs> so bored of this content <laughs> Let's, yeah it's let's probably because you're really out.
0: involved in that corner of TikTok so there's just like so much stuff and like you have all like friends I'm sure in it too so you exactly. follow and you just see so much content everything yeah, I get that exactly.
1: I totally get that <laughs> well I mean to that point of like going back to uni and I guess regardless of where the content creation thing goes and going back to your Creating four fly, five in the sky. Gosh, that's awful to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm really curious because you kind of alluded to it a little bit before, like you're now back and you're not in school. Do you, obviously you've gone through this massive experience that all your friends that are in uni still haven't kind of gone through. How mm-hmm. do you find that that sits specifically, I guess with the idea of like content creation because I know a lot of people are, you know, gearing themselves towards creating their own work. I don't know, cultivating mm-hmm. something, a lifestyle that more suits them. And that kind of sounds like what you're saying is, oh, yeah, I want mm-hmm. to kind of merge these two passions. How does yeah. that kind of sit with your friends who are in uni? Do they have a similar feeling or are they kind of going down the path of uni get a job i'm super curious
0: yeah honestly all my friends and i are very different um Mm. they like i have friends within different sections like i have like aviation friends and then i have like um but my closest friends who um have been my close friends since before i left on the expedition as well they're not um into the whole content creation thing as much and they're not um aviation they're not like pilots or anything as well so it's definitely different they're kind of following uh their passions and the things that they love whether it's like fashion school or like Mm -hmm. one of my friends is going into law school the other one is hopefully gonna do like the mcat and stuff um Mm -hmm. and go into medical school so everyone has like very very different interests um Hmm. but yeah so it's not um it's not like a topic of conversation where we're all like talking about content creation or like um aviation or anything so me and my like core group of friends they have they're like not affiliated with any of this stuff at all pretty much like they don't understand like the whole like flying part of things which is so valid because you're not exposed to it every day you're not a pilot you're not like so it's so understanding that they don't and then for content creation they like think it's so cool and they're like so supportive of me and think it's so amazing that we've cultivated this like awesome community and this following but um they're not, like, super yeah. involved in that stuff, which is, like, so valid, but they're always so totally. creative and great with it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so interesting. Part of the reason I ask is because, obviously, you mentioned you're, like, 22. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm, like, let's call me 10 years older. And I find it very <laughs> interesting because there's, like, someone is, like, millennial. I'm kind of in this middle ground area where I'm, like, seeing the boomers who are, like, it must be mm-hmm. this way. And then there's, like, Gen mm-hmm. Z Who's like blazing their own like path <laughs> oh my gosh yes yeah. <laughs> and I'm so here for it and then you've got all the millennials who for 10 years for the last 10 years have been like yes we're gonna do what we're meant to do and be good little pre like boomer babies I don't know um and or babies of the boomers rather and now we're all like no that's just a terrible idea and we're looking at Gen Z and being like they have the right idea and yeah. it's just like obviously the, you know there's all those articles that are like ah oh, gen z or this and millennials are this and i'm just always very curious as mm-hmm. someone but who the is like is. Yeah, yeah and i just find it very fascinating obviously like my mo is about like cultivating a lifestyle of travel and mm-hmm. more i don't know even if you take the the travel out of it it's just like free living to cultivate a lifestyle that like suits you mm-hmm. and i guess i look at gen z and i'm like oh this but it's maybe not necessarily exactly the case yeah
0: it's so interesting i like see so many people whether it's on my free page or instagram or whatever Mm. um, around my age and they have this like massive group of people doing the exact same thing as them within this like content creation creator community and i'm like i'm not like that like am
1: i missing out on something like (laughs) (laughs) oh you know what i do have one final question is there something that you don't often get asked like a question or topic that you don't get to talk about very often that you'd love to talk about as kind of like a final hurrah hmm. um it's okay if you don't <laughs> i, always just I like have to a ask.
0: question that i get talked about that i get asked all the time to talk about i can't really think of things that i don't get asked to talk about that's
1: all right what's the question you always get asked
0: like the dynamics between like me and my family because Mm -hmm. whenever people hear Mm -hmm. about this expedition they're like wow you're spending every single day for Mm -hmm. 14 months with your immediate family like how do you not rip your eyes out or something like how do you not lose your mind um and so that's the question that I get asked the most especially as like a 22 year old and my siblings are my sister's turning 19 and my brother's like a teenager he's 15 so it's like there's all these different age groups and like you're with your immediate family how do you not how do you not um, want to be, like, out away from them all the time? And for yeah. that, I'd just say that me and my family have a really good relationship. Like, yeah. like my siblings are my best friends and, like, um, some of my best friends, obviously. And, like, I love them and I love spending time with them. And we have so many common interests and always just want to, like, go out and go on an adventure, go find cool things to do. So, that I just say yeah we're just really close and like we've been able to somehow spend like eight months together I don't even know like going into it it was worrisome too I was like I don't know how spend yeah. every single day with the rest, my yeah, like yeah like will I get really annoyed um so I can't think of a question that I haven't been asked but mm-hmm. um I'm sure I'll think of something like right after this is done totally.
1: <laughs> because that's way. the way it works but yeah always well I mean that's so interesting actually because I didn't even think to ask that because I've I don't know just like from watching you guys and I've I've followed you for a little while now and kind of seen mm-hmm. you share a lot of videos of your whole family mm-hmm. And you just kind of get a sense of that watching you guys. You just really enjoy each other's company. And also, I don't think if you think about a family that didn't like spending time with one another as if they'd be like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go and spend every second together. (laughs) 100%. And it's like stressful as well. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, traveling in a van is one thing, but traveling in a plane, I can imagine, is just the next level because there's like a lot of safety concerns and like you're planning a route and Mm -hmm. navigating borders as you said like there's 20 plus borders that you crossed like yeah you have to kind of like each other (laughs) and you're responsible
0: for like everything yourself so there's like you said like the safety aspect there's just like you have to make sure everything is good you are in the sky and if something were to go wrong then you need to know what to do you need to know where you are like all these different things so Mm. the onus really falls on you for like absolutely everything so Mm there's a lot, a lot of logistics. Yeah. But oh my gosh, I'm really glad that it was reflected through our social media that like, we just really genuinely enjoy each other's company because for some reason I'm asked that all the time. So. Oh really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, I, it came across to me, but maybe that's just my own take. Great. I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess one final question. I would love to hear from you. What does a life of freedom mean to you?
0: Mm, A life of freedom? um being able to go where you want when you want to um and do whatever you want so like i think there's there's so many different ways to do that and our plane really gave us a lot of freedom being able to fly to all these different places that people don't normally get to step foot at um but it in a way also like restricted our freedom where you have to have an airport you have to have like or a landing strip like some area you have to land and go about your life that way. But there are things like van life where you can kind of like drive and stop in like wherever you'd like to, which is so incredible. So being we were given a lot of freedom um for long distances, but we were also a lot of our freedom was taken away because you have to follow strict um regimented
1: rules. I mean, I would just love to finish off if you could direct everyone if they want to follow along the journey, follow along yeah. what you guys are up to in the interim. Where can they find you? yes um you can find us on instagram or tiktok they're both fly
0: five in the sky and it's the number five um and with we a website which is triple five in but we mainly post on social media and stuff yeah, so come. if you guys want to follow along there'll be a lot more content coming out in the next little while and our journey is not over so we're going to keep going and doing cool stuff so yeah i was going to say
1: you probably have the biggest backlog of content to share that you probably could spend the next eight months sharing no seriously there's so much stuff I have I have a lot to go through (laughs) my partner and I always have this running joke that we're like oh people who don't travel full-time actually have better chance of being a content creator than people who travel full-time because even though you get all this amazing content you never have a second to actually share it or you have like this much time (laughs) awesome well I mean Thank you so much for coming on. It was honestly so much fun chatting with you.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. It was so fun. I was really looking forward to this.
1: Yeah. Alrighty, guys, that is it for today. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a like, a rating, a review, let us know what you thought. Whether you're listening to the solo episodes where I share my journey to thriving in this more nomadic global lifestyle, or you're tuning in for these guest episodes where I'm chatting with global travelers who are thriving in their own respects on their own unique journeys, Regardless of which you love, or maybe you love both, be sure to subscribe to get updated when new episodes go live. And of course, if you want to connect with us, you can always connect with us on socials at Road to Thriving Podcast across pretty much every platform and let us know what you want to hear more about, topics, guests, you name it. We're very open to ideas and suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, But otherwise, guys, I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. I hope you're doing something wonderful and exciting out in the world or just enjoying a local adventure somewhere close by, regardless of where you are. I hope you have an amazing week and I will see you next week.